Amen. Uh, as, I, as I told you last week, we have been on the last few weeks doing our uh, annual blessing bonanza. Uh, social workers, local schools, the child protective services, just gatekeepers in the community, leaders in the community uh, have let us know certain families that they thought uh, could really use a boost and some support this season. And so because of your generosity, we were able to go around and just play Santa uh, in the name of Jesus all the last couple weeks. Uh, and so to really bring uh, hope and light to our community. And so I always want you to connect the dots between your investment here and the change and the impact being made in lives around us uh, all across the community. So we, we gave to organizations like we have done, like Hope Pregnancy Center down the road or different places like that. Uh, we tried to really focus on individual families and home units this year to really bless particular situations. So let me just give you an idea, because um, like I said, we've seen two videos now, that probably covers 20% of all the families that were reached or things that were done. We wanted to give you at least an idea, a picture of what it was like, uh, and so that you can see kind of what's going on with some of your generosity. But I just want to read through some of the families that we blessed to give you their situations, just so that you are aware of the kind of things that are going on, uh, which some of you may have experienced as well. Here's the first one, a family who lost their three-year-old to cancer this year. We're able to go and bless them. Uh, multiple families that have been victims of child abuse. So a lot of the CPS references will be situations like that. Uh, two families that have endured a year of chemotherapy for their five-year-old and six-year-old. Uh, a local Christian worker that just completed cancer treatment for their 11-year-old, and they've fallen behind on their support, so we're able to keep them afloat for the next few months. A family burn patient that has a four-year-old and a nine-month-old. Uh, this lady, because of an accident, like 85% of her body was burned in this situation. Uh, Afghan families that have moved here, that are refugees and, and kind of trying to figure out next steps. Families just in general who have lost loved ones. Uh, there was a 10-year-old who was taking care of their terminally ill father. And on and on I could go uh, with the list. Both needs represented in our congregation and within our city. And so we really want, we talk about all the time, a body and soul, bringing hope and light into our community, uh, really being a blessing to both their spirits and their physical conditions in their bodies as well. And so uh, in the name of Jesus, we've been able to do that all the last couple of weeks, which we do things like this year round, uh, but this is highly intensive over the last few weeks. And so just to give you a picture of what that has looked like, and then I want you to grab this little sheet, I mean, this little four by six off your seat. Can you hold it up for me? I want you to have it. I want you to look at it, Okay. Uh, on the front, kind of tells you what's going on. We've talked about in the last few weeks, our 100K match. And so as we uh, consider December, we've had a generous donor offer up to a 100K match for donations that are received above and beyond our normal giving. And so I know many of you consider uh, going above and beyond during December. I want you to know and to attach that generosity with the projects we hope to establish uh, in 2022. And so these are real things that will happen uh, based off our ability to match this 100K and be able to supply the needed resources so that we can create these ministries in the world. Uh, and so the first one in our reach category, as part of our outreach uh, internationally, we partner with La Roca Ministries, uh, which does basically anything you can imagine. Like they share the gospel, they start churches, uh, they do drug rehab, uh, employment programs, prostitute ministry, uh, orphan, they run an orphanage, all, anything you could think of to be able to bless a city. And so we've partnered with them before. Some of you have been on a mission trip. We went there this summer uh, to them. And so now they want to build an outreach center in the middle uh, of the red light district. And this will particularly reach prostitutes and their children with the gospel of Jesus. It'll also supply a ton of needs for the community in general. 
And so we would like to raise 75K to build that uh, and to hopefully be able to allow you to come alongside and maybe see it the next time we go on a trip. And so uh, they do incredible work. They've been doing it for years. And so we believe in them and we know that this will go uh, way and beyond beyond what $75,000 can do. Uh, They're gonna take that and use it and it's just gonna go uh, incredible ways. So we'd like to help them build that outreach center. A lot of, like what we talk about a lot, being a community-centered church, so like you use your facility to bless the community, not just to come and have services. So the next one in our restore category, uh, we want to start our first restoration house to help vulnerable women transition out of bad situations. And so this is both having a, basically a house mom in the house and then the rent for the particular house. We already have women that are kind of lined up for this situation. Uh, and obviously we're always meeting different women in these types of situations. And so as much as we are able to help do this, we think this is a good idea to try. The second thing we want to do in terms of restoration and helping people kind of in next steps in their, their life is start a City Light preschool, which we, are, we will have a pilot program for in January, which is crazy to think about. Uh, we have recruited, I think there's eight. We're, our goal is 10 kids, so maybe you can pray for two more. Uh, four and five-year-olds, both from the community around us and from our congregation. Uh, and we hope to continue to build on that. And so we would like to provide educational spiritual transformation, particularly for those who don't have access to that in our community, and to do it here at church. And so we're working on building that, and that'll be a reality next month uh, in a pilot form. And then repeat is our ability to basically sustain the work and to raise up new harvest workers. And so uh, our intern program gets a lot of different things done, both for the church and for the city. And we would love to continue to train up more interns to be able to raise them up and to expand the program uh, so that we can get out into the streets, reach more people and raise up more leaders for Jesus. And so the more we can do that, the more we can expand the work of God. And so as we go, go for this 100K match, this is what we are aiming to accomplish, that if we're able to get that and then have the 100K match, these three things will be a reality next year. Uh, that currently are not a reality. And so I'm really excited about that. And I just want to make it as clear as possible what our goal is and what we want to do with those extra funds. Uh, So y'all good with that? Are y'all good with building things to help people and change the world around us? This is what we're about. And so uh, excited for that. And we'll be excited to to see how it progresses next year. And maybe some of you can go check these things out uh, on a trip with us. I also want to mention, um, today is our family service, so if you're new here, this may be your first time, uh, we normally do have a kids program downstairs, it's amazing. Uh, the last Sunday that we have before Christmas every year, we do a family service, we do it together. I promise it'll be the shortest sermon I've preached all year, okay? Uh, no worries to all you parents, but we do have stickers and stuff in the back, and so if you need anything like that, raise your hand, we'd be glad to bring that to you. If you've missed out on those resources for your kids, uh, we'd like to help you um, keep their attention for a little while and partner with you in that. And so please do that. This is also just a reminder, our last in-person Sunday gathering. And so if you can uh, come to our Christmas Eve service, that's going to be awesome. It's at four o'clock on Christmas Eve, just one service, just come hang out and then go do your family dinner and all that stuff after that. Uh, We're going to do that here. But next Sunday, we will be gathering just in your homes with your friends, lighthouses, family, whatever. We will have a family worship God provided for you online so that you can still gather and we can stay on the same page. But we just encourage you to do that. This is intentional both for you and for the church in terms of just a day of rest to reset everybody before we jump into the new year. We will kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting, which if you've been here before, you know is pretty intense on January 2nd. And I'm really excited about what the Lord is going to do through that. And so I want you to be ready for that, okay? So take the next Sunday, be home with your family, whatever it might be, uh, whoever you're with, uh, be with the Lord and use the guide that's there for your benefit. Uh, and so that, that I don't want you to miss out on that. So Christmas Eve, take Sunday off, and then we'll see you in the new year, all right? So that's what that looks like. So today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. 
Let's go, all right. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. As we close our time together this year, last week we finished our series through Ruth. Uh, and today we're just gonna look at this couple of verses to be able to look at the heart of Jesus. Uh, how many of you let your, put y'all, how many of your parents put your Christmas presents out before Christmas? You put them under the tree early. Does anybody do that? There's a few of you, very brave parents. Okay, uh, there's a few of you. How many of us, as, as kids, your parents put the Christmas presents under the tree early? You know, like December 10th, they were already there. Okay, yeah, so that's what my parents used to do. They would put it out early. Uh, and so, you know, you go, you shake the box, uh, you peel away just a little bit so you can try to see what, what it is. You know, you're doing everything you can. You know, as, as we'd like to do, you get as close to the edge of being disobedient and sinful as you possibly can. Uh, and then you try not to step over that line. I, I don't think I ever managed to actually open one, which I, I'm very surprised by. And so my parents would put those out, and you'd be looking at it the whole time. You'd be wondering what's in it, shaking it, trying to figure it out. You just wanted to get a peek. Now, I have, I'm a parent now. I have six children, and I have decided that's a terrible idea for my family. And so uh, um, we just, I don't know if we just don't trust our kids or what, but we're just not, I just, we leaving them out early would not go well. That's just my house. And so uh, we just save them all for Christmas morning and let the surprise be then. And that's how we have decided to roll. Uh, but today, metaphorically, I hope to bring Christmas early a little bit to you to give you a little peek into what Jesus reveals for us as his heart. What I love about this scripture this morning and what's most significant about Christmas obviously isn't the gifts under the tree, but the gift of Christ. And what we're gonna see from this picture is the heart of Jesus. What I want you to know before we read these few verses is that this is the only place in the gospels where Jesus explicitly says, this is my heart which is fascinating to think about. I got that information from a book called Gentle and Lowly, which you should all read, which I have recommended time and time again. It's my favorite book of 2021. Uh, we have a bunch of extra copies in the back. You will be very helped by reading this book. Go grab one, it's free for you. Now, this is the only place. So obviously Jesus talks about different things, his love for you, all these things. He reveals it in the way that he acts, but technically this is the only place where he says, basically this is my heart, you know, this is what my heart is. Uh, and so this is very unique and important for us to understand. So let Christmas come early this morning and let's unpack the heart of Jesus. So verse 28, he says this, three simple verses. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So you should take a deep breath right there. Okay, I receive that this morning. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's our sentence today to kind of describe our time together in God's word. It's this, that Jesus came to you so that you could come to him. That's it, very simple. Jesus came to you so that you could come to him. And as we celebrate Christmas and the coming of Jesus, we must celebrate and consider the implications of what that means for our life in 2021 and today. How does it affect me that Jesus came 2,000 years ago? This is how it affects you. Jesus came to you so that you could come to him. And I pray that these three words on the screen behind me begin to mark your life when Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And he's making this invitation to every single one of you this morning in the room, every single one of you watching online, every single person that ever reads these words in the scripture, the invitation is open to all of us. Jesus says, come to me. As you reflect maybe on this last year and you have things that you regret, 
I'm sure things that make you happy and things you look back and you say, man, I wish it was a different way. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish it didn't turn out like this. As you look forward to the new year, surely you might have things you're excited about, but probably many of you have things you're very anxious and fearful about. You look back with regret, you look ahead with anxiety, and in the midst of that, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. This is the invitation that Jesus is making to us as we close the year. I felt very compelled in my heart to make sure that as we ended the year and as we looked back on what was and as we look ahead to what is, that we focus now on the fact that Jesus wants to give us rest. Soul rest, we're gonna talk about the kind of rest Jesus wants to give us. Now Jesus says, come to me. This is both a command and an offer. We must come to him because if we go anywhere else, it's an act of disobedience against him. It is a command. And we also must come to him because if we go anywhere else, we will not get what we are looking for. And maybe that's some of you this morning. You came here this morning because all the other places you've been going and looking for satisfaction, joy, life, purpose, peace, salvation, forgiveness, identity, a future, security, assurance, love, all the places you've been going for that, even pleasure, have not been delivering and giving to you what you went there for. And so maybe you come here this morning a little bit desperate saying, you're right, I have not found what I'm looking for yet. And the reason is because you haven't accepted the invitation when Jesus says, come to me. And so I, I urge you this morning to recognize the fact that you've been going everywhere else except him and you've been getting everything except him and he's the only thing you need. And so Jesus offers that to you this morning. May your search for life and forgiveness and joy and purpose and peace and a security and a future may that end today by accepting, accepting Jesus' invitation to come to him. And so there are two aspects I want you to understand about this. And like I said, our time will be short. It's that we must come if and come for. So those are the two kind of ways we're gonna understand this passage. Come if and come for. The first part, come if. Let me read this part again in the Bible. He says, come to me, all who are perfect, Come to me, all who are successful, influential, and powerful. Come to me, everyone with status. Come to me, everyone who can increase my reputation. Come to me, everyone who can give me something I want. Come to me. I hope that's not what it says. Okay, just want to be clear on that. That's not what it says, but that might be what we think. And it's often how we act. Sometimes we don't even realize how much we've been discipled by the world around us. This is how the world works. Come to me if you can give me something that I want. Come to me if you are successful, influential, beautiful, powerful. Those are the people that you want around. Come to me if you can help my status and reputation rise. Come to me. Come to me if you can do something for me. Come to me. Come to me if you can make me look good. Come to me. Come to me if you have something that I need. Come to me. And that's sometimes how we interact with God or how we think about him. And I want you to know it is the exact opposite of that. The world may say that every day to you. Your job may say that. The people in your life may say that. The things that you want may say that to you. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says the opposite. Instead of come to me, everyone who is beautiful, successful, powerful, and influential, Jesus says, come to me, everyone who is sinful. That's the person that he's after, which is you and me and every single person in the entire world. This is the offer of Jesus. This is what Jesus says. Instead of come to me, everyone who is beautiful, successful, influential, powerful, what does he say here? Come to me, all who are heavy laden, 
Come to me, everyone who is burdened. Come to me, everyone who feels heavy this morning. Come to me, everyone who's overwhelmed with life. Come to me, everyone who is struggling. Come to me, everyone who is frustrated. Come to me, everyone who is disappointed and discontent. Come to me if you are an absolute hot mess. Come to me because you are full of sin. Come to me with all your mistakes and all your regrets. Come to me, all you terrible people. Come to me, all you undesirable people. Come to me, all you lonely people. Come to me, all you rejected rejected, hurting people. Come to me, all of you who are trying so hard and it's not working out. Come to me, all of you disappointed and regretful people. Come to me, all of you sinful people, come to me. This is the offer of Jesus this morning. He says, come and bring all your regrets with you. Don't leave one behind. Come and bring all your mistakes with you. Don't leave one behind. Come, bring all of your flaws with you. You don't have to hide anything from me. Come, bring all your insecurities with you. I am enough. Come and bring all of your sins with you, every single one of them. Come to me. Come to me. This is the offer of Jesus that's on the table for many of you this morning for the very first time. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that even though God knows everything about you, he loves you anyways. He doesn't say come to me because you give him something he needs. He says come to me because he gives you something you need. Here's the sentence that explains that for us this morning. Jesus did not make an invitation to increase his reputation, but to grant salvation. The mark of the life of Jesus was that he hung out with the rejects, the outcasts, and the marginalized. The mark of early Christians was that they hung out with the rejects, the outcasts, and the marginalized. The argument against Christianity was that they hung out with all the losers. That was the argument against it. Look at those losers hanging out with the losers. Who wants to be a loser? The mark of people who follow Jesus is that we are and we recognize ourselves to be outcasts and marginalized, and we also love and spend time with those who are like that. The mark of a Jesus is to be with those that are rejected, hurting, outcasts. The mark of Jesus is to give his time and attention and association with those that the world rejects. Jesus says to you, no matter where you came from or what you did last night or who you've been for most of your life, he says, come to me, come to me. I wonder if you've received that offer this morning from Jesus, the invitation to come to him and have your whole life changed and to find rest for your soul. Jesus did not make an invitation to increase his reputation. He doesn't need anything from you or me. Us coming to him doesn't add to his life, doesn't add to his glory, doesn't add to his power, doesn't add to his influence, doesn't add to his beauty, doesn't add to him at all. Jesus did not make an invitation for himself to increase his reputation, but to grant salvation to you and to me. This is the meaning of Christmas. Jesus came to you so that you could come to him. Would you do that this morning for those of you who haven't made that decision yet? And would you do that once again to everyone who is trying so hard to be a good Christian and to go to church enough and to do everything you can to please God when his simple explanation and invitation is three words, come to me. Some of you Christians have overcomplicated your relationship with Jesus and you've made it much more difficult than it needs to be. In all your mess, he says, come to me. Yeah, okay, you haven't gotten it together yet. Come to me. Yeah, okay, you've missed this or that. Come to me. Yeah, you didn't read your Bible. Come to me. Some of us, we do terrible things or we have a terrible week or whatever it might be and we wake up and we think, well, there's no way God would receive me. Why would I pray this morning because of what I did last night? And Jesus says, you're overcomplicating everything. I already died for the sin you committed. Come to me. Come to me. 
This is the offer of Christmas. I want you as you end your year with regrets and as you end your year with anxieties and as you end your year with mistakes and as you struggle even during this Christmas season, maybe for some of you Christmas is like torture. It's the worst time of year for you because it triggers so many things in your life. Maybe some of you, whatever it might be, whatever you even bring to the table yourself, things you're frustrated about yourself, things you're mad at yourself for doing or being, all of these things, I don't want you to like act like you have to dress up at all to come to Jesus. Don't overcomplicate your relationship with Jesus, he has three words for you and three words alone there, come to me, come to me. Yeah, you messed up last night, come to me. Yeah, you've really had a hard time lately, come to me. Yeah, you've even rejected me, come to me. The offer stands on the table, it is true always and always. Not because he thinks your sin is no problem, but because he died for it to solve the problem. He doesn't wink and say, well, it's not a big deal. No, he says it's a very big deal, so much so that I shed my blood for it, so come to me, I've taken care of it. That's how we have to view it. Jesus came to do this. So Jesus came to you so that you could come to him. So that's come if. It's not come who are beautiful, successful, powerful, and influential, but simply come who are sinful. The next one is come for. So come if and then come for. Jesus says these words here. He says come, and then he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You can come because of the character of Jesus, you don't come to Jesus based off your character, but his character. You see what I'm saying? You don't come to Jesus based off how you're living your life, but how Jesus lived his life. You don't come to Jesus because your heart's in the right place, but because his heart is in the right place. You come based off his character, not yours. So many of you have made your relationship with God based off your character. And that's why, you know, your character's a mess. Mine too. We have so many problems. And Jesus says, well, it's not my relationship with you. It's not based off your character. It's based off mine. Gentle and lowly in heart. As I said before, this is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus explicitly says technically, hey, this is my heart. And this is instructive for us because the two words that he uses are not the two words we would have picked. If you could be in his place or if you could just choose two words to say, if somebody says, what is the heart of Jesus? And you chose two words, I don't think you would choose these two words. And if Jesus, if us being Jesus had a chance to reveal ourselves, our heart, to the world, I don't think we would pick these two words, you know? I think we probably lean more towards, well, if he's Jesus, he's great, he's glorious, he's mighty, he's powerful, he's love. He's these things, which are all true. He is all of these things, and he is all of these things all of the time. But when Jesus chose to unpack and to give you a peek into his heart, he chose to use these two words, gentle and lowly. This is how you know you can go to him even in the midst of your struggle and difficulty because he is gentle and lowly. You guys think that God has like thick hands. It's like he's been calloused because of all the times you've made mistakes and his hands are just as soft as they were in the beginning. Jesus is gentle with you. You see that? I don't think many of you feel that way, especially those of you who are Christians who are really trying to please God and you're trying to live your best but you know you've messed up so many times. And you think, man, well, it's got to be tired of me now, you know, screwed up again. Or you go and you just feel this sense of like judgment from the Lord. And he wants you to know, first and foremost, that he is gentle and lowly. It's the reason the scriptures say it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, not the threats of God. Now, they're certainly there, and the hell is real, and if you don't turn and follow God, there's punishment, and you don't want that, but that's not what draws you in. Jesus says, come look at my heart. My kindness is gonna lead you to repentance. 
My kindness is gonna help you be self-aware of the things that you're not doing right. It's gonna lead you to say, no, I shouldn't do those things. I'm gonna turn around and do what God wants me to do. We think it's like threats or discipline to say, well, you gotta change. And Jesus doesn't approach you like that. He is gentle and lowly. You have to understand it this way, especially those of you who have kids in the room. It's not like, when Jesus says, come to me, it isn't the come to me of a parent who is frustrated, you know? Come here, you know, come here. You hit your brother again, come here, you know. Come, come to me right now, you know, right here. Come to me, you know. And sometimes that's how we feel like with the Lord, and you're like a little sad puppy, like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, you know. Those are the words my kids love to say. I didn't mean to. I'm like, you can't not mean to all the time forever. Like, I'd rather you just say, yeah, I did that, and that was bad. That would be much preferable, okay? Just say, yeah, I meant to do it. I wanted to hurt him, you know. That would be more preferable than, like, I didn't mean to. I'm like, that's, that drives me nuts. So anyways, but we, we, we even try to go to the Lord and say, I didn't mean to. He's like, oh, come on, you know. The Lord knows your heart. But that's how sometimes we view our relationship with God. It's like, come here, come here, you know? And that's not what he's doing here. It's more like the come to me when a parent sees that their kid, you know, has a boo-boo or when they're, like, they walk into the house and little Katie, she's two, you know, she's like, buddy bit me. You know, that's our dog. And she's like, well, you know, you know? And I'm like, okay, come here, baby. Let me look at it. And she shows me her little toe, you know, and it's like, that's okay. Let me give you a kiss on the little toe. And everything's fine. That's what Jesus gives you the picture of this morning, okay? And so you have your boo-boos, you know, you have your mistakes, your mess-ups, your sins, your regrets. And you think sometimes God's like, come to me. Hey, let me fix that. Hey, and he's like, no, no, no. Hey, come to me. Why don't you take a sit here? Let me help you. You got to get the perspective of Jesus right in terms of what is he saying? What does it feel like for Jesus to make the invitation to come here and to come to me? And that's what it feels like. It's like a parent who's trying to help their ailing struggling child. It's just like what Jesus has for you. So what's the next thing? He says, come for I am gentle and lowly heart. You come because of his character, not yours. And then he says, you will find rest for your soul. So what do you come for? Why would you come to Jesus? Which might be the question some of you need answered this morning. Why would you come to Jesus? Maybe you're like new to church or new to Christianity or somebody's been talking to you about God. You still don't know. Why, why, why would I come to Jesus instead of something else? Why would I come to Jesus instead of keep living the life I'm living? Why would I accept this invitation? Well, Jesus says that if you come to him, you will find rest, not day at the beach rest, but rest for your soul. You can go to the world and get a sense of rest, but you can't go to the world and get real rest. And some of you are settling for a sense of rest, a superficial day at the beach type of rest when God wants to give you soul rest, soul rest. Here's the reason why you need to come to Jesus is because he's the only one that can mediate your relationship between you and God. You need Jesus because nobody else can do this for you. Your boss can't help you with your relationship with God. Uh, Another spiritual leader, a pastor can't solve. I can't mediate between you and God. I can't absolve your sins and take care of the problems that you have with God. I can't do any of that for you. No other prophet, Muhammad, Buddha, none of these people. Nobody in the world can solve the problem that you have with God and nobody can mediate between you and God. So the world can offer superficial rest, but what you need is supernatural rest. You need rest for your soul. Romans 5.1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, how? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
What do you need? What is your soul after when you keep going to the drink, you keep going to the club, you keep talking to this person, you keep texting that person, you keep trying to get better work, you keep trying to get the promotion, you keep going to this, going to that, you're binging on Netflix. What is the thing? You like keep going on Verbo to try to find the vacation. What do you keep looking for? What is the thing you keep trying to do? You're trying to get more money and try to, blah, 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 I should have bought Bitcoin five years ago. You know, you're trying to, you say, what, what are you looking for all of the time? What is happening to you? Because even when you get it, let's say you finally get enough money, you get the promotion, you get the relationship, all of these things you get, and it still doesn't supply what you were looking for. Because the answer is you were never looking for any of that. What your soul has been looking for is peace with God. And you can't find peace with God on Netflix. You can't find peace with God with another person. You can't find peace with God with a promotion. You can't find peace with God with getting more money. You can't find peace with God when your body's healthy. You can't find peace with God when any of your problems get fixed. None of those things can give you peace with God. And you're settling for a superficial rest. God wants to give you a supernatural rest. And maybe some of you, just maybe you came in here this morning apart from Jesus and he wants to say, come to me and I will give your soul rest. You need peace with God. Jesus came to live a perfect life because you needed one. Nobody goes to heaven that's not perfect. And Jesus came and he said, I know your life's not perfect and the only chance you have to be accepted before God is if Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life, which is exactly what he did. And so now when you put your faith in Christ, that means that he says, I'll take your messy life, your sinful life, your mistake-filled life, your regret-filled life, all the things about yourself that, I, that you hate, I'm gonna take all of that to the cross and I'm gonna give you my perfect life. That's why Jesus came. He came so that he could live a perfect life so that you could have his life and be accepted before God by faith. He also came so that he could die on the cross so he could take all of your sins and pay for them. God can't wink your sins away. He wouldn't be a good God or just. He would be a mess. He can't do that. Your sins have to be paid for. It has to be dealt with. And it's either you or Jesus. And so Jesus comes down and he says, listen, I love you so much. I'm gonna take all of your sins, your mistakes, all your rebellion against God, all your hate towards others. I'm gonna take all of that on myself and all the punishment that you deserve, I'm gonna take it on myself. And he came so that he could die so that he could take the punishment for you. Jesus came so that he could rise again, so that if anyone puts their faith in Christ, they too will rise to new life. This is why the scriptures say the old has gone, the new has come. Jesus has come so that you could have new life in him. This is the offer of Jesus on the table this morning. Forgiveness of sins, new life, eternal life, hope for your future, stability in your life now. He wants to give you the quiet confidence that comes from knowing that you have God as your father. This is what Jesus is offering you this morning, an eternal peace and happiness with him. The question is not, is the invitation on the table, but the question is simply, will you receive it? Will you receive it? You have been looking for peace with God and you won't find it anywhere else than with God himself. Listen to me, Jesus is the only place you can go where you will get all that you came for and even more than that. I'm gonna say that again. And I want every Christian in here to testify, okay, to that. I'm gonna say it again. Jesus is the only place you can go where you will get all that you came for and even more. You say, hey, man, you've experienced that. There's many people in this room that say, yeah, that's right. I have looked far and wide, and when I got to Jesus, I actually got what I came for. Listen to me. You can keep looking if you want. 
and you're just gonna keep showing up to places that won't deliver on their promises. You're gonna keep going from emptiness to emptiness. But Jesus says, if you come to me, I will fulfill every promise I've ever made. I will make good on what you came here for. So you can keep looking and going other places and not getting what you went there for, or you can finally come to Jesus and receive what you need, peace with God, eternal life, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the true meaning of Christmas, not just a cute little baby in a manger, but a baby who grew up to be a man, who grew up to die on a cross for your sins, who really revealed himself to be God, and who now lives today sitting at the right hand of the Father, making an offer to you and to everyone in the world when he says, come to me, come to me. So before you figure out how you're going to come into the new year, I want you to make sure that you come to Jesus and find rest, supernatural rest for your soul. Let's pray and let's respond to him. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you for this offer. I just pray, Lord, that you would tug on the heart of every person here, God, that we would take you up on this, that we would stop looking everywhere else, Lord, that that each person in here would trust you and put their faith and confidence in you, that we would accept your invitation, Lord. Don't let us end this year full of regret and anxiety, Lord. May we, may we end it full of rest, supernatural rest, because we have peace with you through Christ. Thank you that you came to us so that we could come to you. And this morning, we collectively say yes to that invitation, both now and forevermore. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once you stand, let's respond to the Lord and celebrate who he is.